rotten motherfucker. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Most of the Homeless Podcast. I'm your host, Damn it, Damien. Now, on today's episode, I bring you a very special guest, Mr. Tom May of the Menzingers. Now, earlier in February of this year, I had a chance to interview Tom when they were on tour uh, with the Cheap Girls and Sidekicks. But unfortunately, we could not do the interview um, in time. Like, I turned it down. Uh, Tom had come up to me and said, hey, dude, let's do it right now while the Cheap Girls are playing. But Cheap Girls are some of my best friends. I've been fortunate enough to do some touring with those cats. And uh, I didn't want to miss my buddies. So, unfortunately, I turned Tom down, and we did not get the interview done. But I'm very thankful for that because it gave me a lot more uh, time to listen to the new album and really get into it and really get a good feel for it. And that album has become, I'm pretty positive it's become my favorite album of the year. On the Impossible Past, it's fan-fucking-tastic. Um, and honestly, it's one of those, it's it's a grower, not a shower. It, it's come into my life. And at first, along with Chamberlain Waits, I did not like the album Chamberlain Waits when I first got it. Um, I'd seen the guys, uh, oddly enough, about a year ago. Uh, the Menzingers actually opened for the Cheap Girls in Denver. It's completely the other way now. But uh, uh, Menzingers blew me away, bought Chamberlain Waits, um, got it home and was like, man, this this is just not as good as their live show. Uh, it grew on me and became one of my favorite releases. And then when uh, On the Impossible Pass came out, same damn thing. Like, I'd listen to it a couple times. I'm like, meh, but I couldn't stop. And next thing you know, I'm singing along, screaming along, crying along. And we t- we, we talk a little bit about this in the uh, interview with uh, Mr. Tom May today. Um, I've, I've had a loss in my family of a baby sister a couple of years back, and a lot of that still bleeds and feeds into this uh, life. And so my interpretations of a lot of the songs, even though they're not necessarily about life and death, I tend to take with that um, that ideal. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of drunkenly talk about that in today's interview. And uh, so... I, I got to apologize once again. If you're a regular listener of this show, you know I get pretty drunk and, and stupid and retarded and try to do interviews with bands, and they usually end up, well, they're at least entertaining, I hope. Um, this this one's no exception. Um, we did this interview with the Bouncing Souls at about 6 o'clock in Denver. I drove straight through uh, you know downtown Denver, rush hour traffic. I did not have a chance to get something to eat. Didn't really actually have any money to get anything to eat. Um, so I get to the show. <laughs> I trade my extra ticket for uh, for two tall boys of Miller High Life. Somebody else buys me another tall boy of Miller High Life. I'm drinking on an empty stomach, and uh, makes the interview a little loosey goosey. So it's a little sloppy, but you know it's fun. And Tom, you know me and Tom bullshitted for a little bit longer afterwards and like he's a really cool dude and I'm really glad that I got this chance to do this interview with him and I'm glad we didn't do it sober because who knows how uh, well he I don't think he was as drunk as I was but anyway um, so you know three or four beers no dinner ooh fun fun times but I found that I actually listen a little bit better whenever I am uh, not quite as wired as I am right now uh, but anyway thanks to Scotty Bell the tour manager for the Menzingers and former tour manager for Cheap Girls for for helping setting this up and take this project on with me. Um, Tom May, fantastic dude, class, class act. Uh, I'm really bummed that Greg did not join us, but uh, he had a lifelong best friend in town from, uh, you know, Pennsylvania hanging out. And I didn't want to interrupt their uh, 
their catch-up time. So uh, thanks to Tom May for hanging out with me. Thanks to Scotty Bell. We're going to give away an LP and T-shirt from the Menzingers over at the website, mostofthomaspodcast.com. Please go over there and check that out. Please go check out our past interviews. Uh, you know, we've got Cheap Girls. We've got Bouncing Souls. We've got Frank Turner. I've got Chuck Reagan, Andrew WK, Red Fang. Jeez, the list goes on and on and on. And it's pretty damn – this has been a fun ride. Thank you guys for listening. And if this is your first time listening, please, please go to mostofthehumblespodcast.com. Check out what we got on there. Uh, we're on Stitcher. We're on iTunes. Uh, let's see. Yeah, that's about it. So uh, head over there. Enter to win a LP and shirt package from the Menzingers. And, again, thanks, Tom May, for sitting down making this happen. Uh, we're going to open up this up with a, a Tom May song. This one is off of The Impossible Past. The song is called Ava House, and you're listening to Mostly Harmless Podcast. Trying to get high I hope the floor holds this time We'll dance and sort of romance together While we're making our time While we're making our time While we make our time
I think he did too. Yeah. Like just looking at the design of it, I'm pretty sure he did. But I'm I'm, I'm stoked to talk to him. He's like, oh, I'm not really good at talking to people. So maybe if you just email Fucking me, some, just email me some questions and all. But I mean, if you want to do a phone, because I like I like the back and forth, the like conversation part of it. Build so. a little rapport. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know. Um, a buddy of mine was giving me shit because uh, the first qu- I interviewed the Bouncing Souls earlier, and the first question I, not even question, I, I went and told them about uh, I lost my virginity to maniacal laughter on purpose. That's awesome. Like I actually stopped Clean what I was, I stopped what I was doing to put maniacal laughter on to lose my. My buddy's like, how can you tell that story and let everybody in the world hear that? And That's I'm like, fucking hilarious. I'm like, because it builds rapport. It kind of like. Yeah, knocks down on inhibitions. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like I'm a retard, so therefore you should, you know. And then we had a really fun interview, so it was good. Nice. So hopefully, me telling you that I'm a retard uh, helps. Right. I was about to give you a 10,039 smoothed out slappy hours playing that oh, too. Wow, that's fun. You know, awkward. Actually, it was really awkward. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Um, I wanted to do stand-up comedy. I'm already recording too, by the way. So, do you, do you mind if that goes out no, to the world? No, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, um, I wanted to do stand-up comedy, and I was. In my act, like, because I was going to start doing open mics, my act was going to be like, um, doing stand-up comedy is a lot like losing your virginity. You sweat and you sweat and you sweat over it. That's all you think about, and it's over like that, and it's awful. <laughs> and I, I told that to a group of friends at a wedding, and they went, yeah, that's not funny. And I lost all in. Uh, I'm just like, yeah, okay, well, cool, I got, that, I got that out of my system. But then uh, then at another wedding, I got up and gave a, gave a uh, very funny toast, and Needless to say, that bugs back, but we'll see. I'm doing, I'm interviewing bands. I get drunk as, I like to drink a few libations and make a fool out of myself interviewing yeah. bands. So. I love doing interviews drunk. I today actually am not the least bit drunk. What? Yeah, I'm driving tonight, so. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm sitting here. Uh, I don't know where we are. We're somewhere behind uh, the Summit Music Hall in Denver, hanging out with Todd May. Uh, Todd, Tom May, not Todd May. Todd May is a dude from Columbus. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's in a band called uh, Moon Cussers. Anyway, he just toured with my buddy Shane from uh, Tukai Garage. I'm with Tom, T-O-M, May, uh, from the Menzingers. What's up, man? How you doing? Great, man. Hanging out. Hanging out by these dumpsters and this cafe. This is a nice little setting. Like Actually, this is a fantastic setting. Yeah, it's good. They even, the light even popped on when we walked over. Yeah, you, you can hear a little bit of the fans in the background, but wow. it actually, it's kind of a nice little, like, oh, man, this is kind of, you can fall asleep to this. Um, how's tour been so far? The, the most basic, awful question to ask ever. Uh, it's been incredible. The most basic, awful answer to give, <laughs> I guess. But no, it really has been. The souls have treated us incredibly. All it's like a it's like a, a traveling family, dude. I love it. It's yeah. fucking awesome. That's that's what Scotty Bell was saying. He was like, dude, I've never been this well treated on a show ever, uh, tour ever. And no, it's incredible. There's no like yeah. any. There's no egos, no awkward anything. It's fucking uh-huh. incredible. And I mean, most of the bands we go on tour with are also, uh, you know, really cool people, amazing yeah. people. This is just uh, especially cool. It's like a regional tour kind of. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, how was that two week? What was it? Two weeks off? Three two weeks? weeks off in the middle, yeah. We uh, we flew home. We played a one-off show at the Barbary. They did an acoustic show. That was cool. Got to hang out with our families and stuff. It was nice. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Uh, one thing I like to ask when I interview people is, like, I have this theory that people's, like, earliest foundations of music, what they remember most as, like, a four or five six year old is kind of what they build upon um so i'm curious what is what is your like earliest memory what is your like uh probably thing? listening to uh my grandfather would play irish folk music all the time nice. so there's that and uh my parents were graduated 
high school and college in the early 80s, so they listened to a lot of Genesis. So they listened to a lot of Genesis in the house. You know, that, that and all the shitty soft rock from the 90s. That's always ingrained in my, in my you know, five-year-old skull or whatever. You know, oddly enough, that, that, that's pretty much a lot like mine. Like, um, I, I, use, I, I was trying not to do this, but like, my earliest memory is like sitting in front of the uh, record player playing Born in the USA, just that, tr- just that song over and over and over again. So, my parents listened to light rock, less talk radios. This is like, but that's that's what I grew up on, and totally. um, but that Bruce Springsteen is ingrained in like everything I like is has that Bruce Springsteen esque quality to it. So it's always curious to hear other people like, oh yeah, that's kind of anyway. Um, so yeah, you guys were you and Bob in the Saggots? I was, yeah, yeah. So you guys have come a long way from that, huh? That was what a ska band? Yeah, we played it. It was like a ska ska punk band. We played a lot of reggae. Played a lot of like like harder hardcore kind of stuff. Yeah, you guys had like a pretty good following back then, right? I remember uh, hearing the name. Area, man. Yeah, it was cool. We had like that was when the internet uh, being in a band on the internet started to become like a really good tool to self promote yourself right. and things like that. So we would just yeah. find the right message boards and things like that. I remember out here in Colorado, like I remember hearing that name, and there were bands like there was a band called Save Winona. That's the only one that pops in the top of my head. There yeah. was uh, the Danny Tanners, I believe. Nice. And I can only assume they were all inspired because of that. Um, so, uh, when, when did you start playing music? At what age did you start playing music? I think I was probably 14. 14? Yeah. We lost our light, but oh well. Uh, oh well. Um, 14? Um, i about that, yeah. Why did you start playing music? I just, that's what I, I just wanted to so bad. That was when I first started to, like, uh, record songs from the radio onto a tape, like songs that I liked so I could play them back. And I got really into whatever aggressive music I could find, whether it was Corn, Limp Bizkit, like, all that yeah. stuff. And I was like, yes, yeah, it's, you know, oh. fucking cool, man. Yeah. How old are you? I'm 26. Oh, shit, you're, you're telling the same story, but I'm 31, so... Five years younger, but this this is all the same shit I was listening to back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got I was I, was, I mean I was young when I get well, got my hands on that. Uh, we had a friend, my my best friend Nick, growing up. His he had a brother, of course. You know, the story got older brother listened to that stuff, so we yeah. just kind of bled over. And I uh, I wanted to play drums. I really wanted to play drums, but my uh, parents wouldn't get me a drum set. So my aunt had an acoustic guitar that was just lying around her house, and they let me borrow it. And I just kind of started playing that. My dad was a guitar player, but he was like, your hands are too small. Wait till you get older, and then I'll teach you how to play. <laughs> my hands are still small, and I still regret never. I just, my, hopefully my father never hears this. He, you know, he was the one who was like, just beat down in me that I was not good enough. And unlike, <laughs> and unlike, um, un- unlike a lot of famous stories, my parents said I wasn't good enough, and I rose up. I was the kid that w- was the little puppy dog that wouldn't hit under the table. So, um, yeah, my dad tried to teach me how to play Beach Boys songs, and my your hands are too small. So I envy you for that. <laughs> so um, uh, they got me a violin, and I was never very good at it. But it uh, taught actually, me a you lot know what? About- That's funny. Uh, I switched that back. I played violin in, in fifth grade. Oh, I think wow. that was what, what started it. Yeah, I played violin fifth grade to, through twelfth grade. I was never very good, but it taught me a good sense of rhythm. Oh, yeah, it was and great. I played fifth. I played in fifth grade, and then I played up to like seventh or eighth grade, and then stopped. And then I um, started again in eleventh grade and started doing music theory and stuff, and ended up getting involved in my school. With that it was, it was fun. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, those lessons that you learned back then, it's like even though it's just uh, Mary had a little lamb over and over yeah. and over again like it, it, it does yeah, ingrain in you in a weird shit way is like, yeah it grades to you but it's so mechanical and they don't teach you they, nobody teaches you how to jam you know nobody right. teaches you like how to like you know go out on your own and play what feels good or what sounds yeah. good you just kind of it's no play this play this play this play this mm-hmm. it's gotta sound like this yeah I think uh, that can be detrimental in some cases well so 
you're pl- you learn how to play guitar. When was the first time you played with other people? Right around uh, well, at the same time I started playing guitar. I mean, we yeah. just you know we, my best friend Nick he played drums and we would just play together and get other people to play with us. First band I was in was called Decadence Decay. It was like a street punk band. Nice. I don't think we we played one show. Yeah, we played one show. I, I booked a show at a at a church because I was just you know at that time we had the internet and it was like oh yeah people just book shows at fire halls and churches so I was like yeah I want to rent the basement out how much it would cost and they were like a hundred bucks I was like shit we get a hundred bucks together if we had charged like five bucks to when people show up so we did that that was cool do, do you still book shows is that something no not anymore well yeah. I, I, last year I booked a holiday show it was the only show I booked last year cool. I'm going to do it again this year and try to put it on a much larger scale Yeah, it's uh, one of those things like uh, I, I book shows too and people yell at me for talking too much but I think it's good we relate. we're relating here Yeah, and uh there's a certain high to it that I'm sure it's different when you're on stage but like because I was a promoter and that's how I got to know the Dragon River guys and go on tour with those guys and meet all these people but uh, booking shows like you put all this work into it and you see like 200 see kids show up yeah, it's, it's, and it's, it's awesome it's fantastic and then the next time you do it and nobody shows up it's gut wrenching <laughs> it's awful like I it's it's like a, it's like doing drugs I can't explain it any other way um, but I've heard people talk about playing music in that same way like you know, you show up in a place like tonight where there's, you know, 800 kids singing along, and then tomorrow night there might be 200. I'm not, hopefully not jinxing it, but it's the same difference. Um, it's like, oh, man, why are we here? I, I did like, you guys were like, thank you for making this drive from Salt Lake City worthwhile. And oh, yeah, man. Hopefully it is. Um, but uh, at, at what moment did you decide that, like, hey, look, all I want to do is play music. That's it. I don't want to, I don't want to go. Uh, you know, that's what I always wanted. That's, I mean, what I always, that's what I wanted. Yeah. Uh, when I was a senior in high school, it started getting serious, like, you know, where are you going to go to college, what are you going to do, and I didn't really want to do anything, I just wanted to play music. Yeah. Did uh, you go to college? I did go to college, I didn't finish, but uh, I went to college. For what? I went to a couple colleges. Well, I went for physics, and I went for political science, and I went for uh, literature, but That music kept switching. It just kept drawing you back in. Yeah, plus when I first went to college, I started doing a lot of drugs. I moved out of my house uh, uh, right after I graduated high school, the next week. And that was a little bit too much freedom, and I had a good job, and I was making a lot of money, so I had too much money and too much freedom, and then kind of just, over the next months, I, like, lost scholarships and shit, it was, you know, whatever, but uh, I wanted to, you know, I always wanted to play music, and we kind of just didn't think any other option than to just do that, so. That's great. And, and then here you are, all that hard work is... It's paying off. Paying off, yeah. yeah it's totally paying off. I, w- I wish... <sighs> Jealous. <laughs> I wish I had had that drive, but I, I lacked it. So hopefully somebody listening out there is. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, it sucks living. for a long time. For like you know four or five years, yeah. we just were poor as fuck, and like you know it sucked. So and it's not like we're like you know wealthy now, but I can you know my rent, I can pay my rent, and I live very, I live comfortably. I'm not like mm-hmm. worried about where I'm going to get food or anything. You know. How much did you guys tour out of the year now? Uh, a lot, man. Yeah. Probably like eight months, yeah. nine months, maybe. So you don't even have time to get a job when you go back home at all. If you no, we're only home to. for like uh, two weeks, three weeks at a time. Yeah. Uh, what's it like when you do get, end up back home? It's great. You see our friends again for the first couple of days. It's nuts, and then it kind of evens out. And then we're like, okay, well, what am I doing now? And you know, I don't know. I get jumped back into a routine. It's cool to sleep in my own bed. Yeah. <laughs> for that two weeks, and yeah. Then back. Uh, well, I, was, I was laughing. I got a bed. I bought, I bought a bed right before we left. I got a. Finally got like a, a full size bed mm-hmm. instead of a, a twin mattress or whatever, and slept in it I think one night, and then we left the tour. So, yeah. yeah. Um. So I, I should keep going with that, but I'm going to jump into this. Um, 
So, like, I, I've met a lot of my heroes through doing interviews, touring, booking shows. Sick. Um, but for you guys, like, um, I don't know what that meant when I arrived up there. Uh, you guys actually get to work with these guys. Like, yeah. you're on Epitaph. You probably have Brett Gerwitz's number in your phone. Like, how mind-blowing. Do, do you guys ever get, like, uh, nervous? Shell shock? Is it still oh, mind-blowing? Yeah, it's fucking mind-blowing, man. Yeah. If, I, like, if Brett Gerwitz calls me or when he calls me and pops up and says, you know, Mr. Brett on my phone, I'm just like, shit. What <laughs> am I doing? Mr. I need to stop everything I'm doing. I'm fucking, what do yeah. I say? What do I say? You know, like, it's fucking great. Uh, Chad Price is a good buddy of mine, and I was sitting at dinner one night with a huge All fan, my, and he called me, and my buddy looks down at my phone and he's like, holy shit, is that Chad Price? And it's just like, yeah, he's buddy. But at the time, it was like, Chad Price is my friend, oh my god. But now it's like, yeah. So I, I can't imagine like you guys like working with Matt Allison, um, Brett Gurowitz, and touring with the Bouncing Souls. Like, do you, it's do incredible. You, the most reaffirming part is to see that once you get to know them, that they they really are awesome people. You know, there's no yeah. like, it's not there's no front tree, there's no nothing. It's fucking just great people doing great things. Yeah. Um. So was, um. My entryway was Punkorama Volume Two. That was my like real entryway into yeah, this mine world. Was that we're in four, four. Yeah. Um, I had a picture of a kid on the front who was all fucked up from like being in the pit or whatever. I was like, I'm buying that right now. Oh yeah. I uh, I I bought Punkorama too because it was advertising BMX magazines for like however many bands for four dollars three ninety eight, and I was like, I gotta buy this. Yeah. And uh, ruined my life. But um, <laughs> but uh, like you guys have joined that epitaph family and like you guys you guys along with like Frank Turner off of their heads you guys are kind of like the punk rock I don't, I don't know what else he's got going on there anymore because you guys are the only ones that I'm really listening to but uh, how does it feel to join that family of who helped you out it's incredible it's a full circle it's where we wanted to go yeah. for so many years for like a fucking decade and it, and it happened so it's, it's pretty yeah. wild was there any hesitation no no <laughs> of course not I mean like why would there be um, yeah so uh it's like, so the last two albums, they've been pretty goddamn awesome. Thanks. If I may uh, kiss your ass a little bit here. Um, they're two of my re- favorite records in a long, long time. Everybody I've shown uh, this new album on The Impossible Past has fallen in love with it pretty instantly. Uh, the first time I saw you guys, you guys uh, played for Cheap Girls. You actually opened for Cheap Girls in Denver. It was a weird, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a weird flip. It was, like, what, a year ago, two years ago? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, you guys blew me a... F- blew me away on stage and I bought the uh, Chamberlain Waiting I got it home and I was like man this is kind of a disappointing album but it, but it, it's a grower not a shower um, and when I listen to the albums it feels uh, you know it's it, it feels like you guys kind of it feels like a bomb waiting to go off the albums <laughs> but to see you guys live it's like a full blown explosion so I'm curious is there like a um, is there a th- conscious effort to like we're gonna hold back but make it as like built up I don't know I don't I don't even know how to explain it not necessarily a conscious effort to do that we just kind of we write the songs live and we're used to playing them live and we want them to translate live because we spend all the time doing it when we record it uh, we want to sound good we don't get too uh, outlandish or you know abstract with any like uh, recording techniques or studio tricks and magic and and those things of that that nature but uh, yeah it's just we, we love to play the songs live and if they come out more energetic live, and that's when we did a good job, I think. It, it, and it is. It's one of those, like, I, ca- I can't explain it. I can't explain it to anybody, but it's one of those things I listen to it, and I'm just like, I start screaming along while you're just singing along in my car. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's it's fantastic. Um, 
how, how's the response been to these right. albums? Like, how, how do you how do you guys take it? Like, because it's well, it's awesome. You put every, you put your you know you put all that work into something, and you throw it out there, and you're like, okay, we'll see what somebody says about it and, or what people think of it. And it's been positive, incredibly positive uh, feedback. People you know seem to really really like the new songs, and it's just, yeah. it's great. It's a great feeling. Do you know Do you know it's as good as it is, or are you a little bit more humble about that kind of stuff? Well, I mean, that's the thing is, I mean, I can't get in anybody else's head except yeah. for my own. I mean, I know what it sounds like to me. I've heard the songs million fucking times right you, you, you're probably a little uh, over objective about it right uh, probably yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I would hope so yeah but I- anyway like I did like Chamberlain Waiting it won me over I couldn't stop listening to it for months I actually had to take it out of my car and hide it because I could not stop listening to it and same with The Impossible Past like uh, Casey and Obituaries in particular I know everybody talks about those two songs but those it's fantastic thanks man. um now I know you and uh, Greg are both vocalists and lyricists. Mm-hmm. Who writes the majority of the lyrics? Is uh, it we write each like the songs are kind of split up. On the last record, Greg more, wrote more songs than I wrote. Um, yeah, you know, it's kind of an even split. Yeah. Do you write songs. songs that he sings, or is it you no, write them, you sing them? We'll write choruses and parts for each other once in a while, not yeah. very often. Like a couple, there's a couple songs that are like that. Yeah. Um, I, I'm curious because uh, and. and Everybody, I'm going to get so many comments about Damien, you're talking too much about yourself. But uh, I listen to Impossible Past, and I can't help but think that it, it's interesting what people's interpretations are. Like, I had a little sister who she would be 22 on Saturday. Uh, she passed away two years ago. Sorry to hear that. Thank you. Um, so when I listen to Impossible Past, I hear songs like Casey and uh, Obituaries, and I hear them in a different light. And I'm kind of curious, like, I know obituaries, like I've read, was written about signing the epitaph. And it, Greg, did Greg, Greg write wrote that? Song, yeah, yeah, so it's kind of hard asking you questions about him, but uh, I'm, I'm sure you got a little bit of his headspace. But and then um, Casey, it's it, I can't help but feel that you guys, the, the whole album as a whole, has this feel of um, what did I write here? It has a lot to do with kind of like growing up, life and death. Yeah. Maybe that's that's what I interpreted out of it. So I, I was kind of curious, like, what was the mind frame going in to record this record? Was there like a kind of like a dark? Yeah, most of the songs there? are about that, about how the world ended up being a different place than we had thought it was going right. to turn out to be. And uh, now we're getting older. I mean, I just turned twenty six. It's like, uh, you know, the world is definitely a totally different place than what you think it is when you're when you're nineteen. Yeah. And uh, it's not necessarily. I mean, it is a great place still. It's not. You know, it's very easy to become disillusioned uh, I think rightfully so yeah, it, and yeah um, have you guys lost anybody recently because there does seem to be maybe some kind of loss of innocence in there not too recently I mean, I've had friends go come and go you know yeah. everybody they started dropping like flies and we all turned fucking 20 but I, uh, I know uh, how that is I've lost a bunch yeah it's, uh, and that's the thing is, dude, I mean, you're not you don't understand or recognize your own mortality mm-hmm. until I mean, you reach a certain age. I'm sure that there's people who've gone through things in their teen years or yeah. before that that are incredibly traumatic and devastating that just give them a, a certain worldview that, you know, I can only, you know, I can't even fathom. I can only, I can't even relate to. But it seemed like in general, things started to get heavy and real around that time. And we just, that's how we felt. And that's what we kind of wrote about. And I think, I mean, everybody, like I said, everybody I know has loved it. So I think there's a universal understanding for that. Um, now the songs, the whole albums as a whole, they kind of have a. They feel like they tell a story as a whole. Like you have the first song on the last two records, 
it kind of feels like a prologue and then you enter chapter one with the second song that's that's my interpretation and uh what, what about interpretations like what do you think about these interpretations well they're incredible to hear it's so interesting to hear what people have yeah. to say about it especially since it's i just i i, I it, it seems su- uh, substantial you know there's like something there people take all kinds of things from it like we've gotten random emails from people who are just yeah. like you know pouring their hearts out of it. you know it's a it's a it's it's just incredible to you know elicit a response from people like that. Get people to think and feel. Mm-hmm. Not, I guess not so much think, you know, but but really feel. Right. Well, like I, I remember the first time I heard uh, obituaries with the chorus, "I will fuck this up." I fucking know it. <laughs> I was talking to a girl, and I know it's not about girls, but it's got to be kind of about girls. Yeah, you relate it to whatever you, need you know. And because I've read that it's about epitaph and, and fucking that up, but. Uh, Immediately, I was thought about the girl I was talking to, and I'm like, God, I'm gonna fuck that up, <laughs> and I did. <laughs> um, which I don't know if it was a self fulfilling prophecy or not, but um, but still, like the albums, kind of, they feel to me like they're telling some kind of story, whether you guys know it or not. They have a very literary feel. And what you're the big reader in the band, right? Uh, both of us, Greg both and I, are us, really yeah. into, into reading. Uh, what are you reading right now? Uh, right now, I'm reading Tom Robbins. Nice. I've never read any of that. He's pretty sick. I neither did I. I have this book. It's called. Uh, Fierce Invalids Home from Hot Climates. It's, in, it's incredible. It's mm-hmm. awesome. I just bought another one of his called Jitterbug Perfume. Stacked up. Uh, had you, either one of you guys written... Like, when did you start writing? Like, words and stories and lyrics and whatnot? I guess I always kind of did, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I always kind of just wrote stories and stuff. Not too into stories and things these days. I went into, like, a, a foray of nonfiction for a while. Uh, got really into certain aspects of politics and such but uh, yeah I've always kind of been writing it's, it's yeah you just have to write you know especially so that you can read it and when you're done writing it and it brings a co- uh, you know a, a cohesive way of analyzing your own thoughts if you can develop an idea really big on a piece of paper it's just not it's not the sporadic thoughts that you just think every day but you, they never go anywhere because of the same emotionally based thoughts you know um, would you ever write anything other than songs? Like, yeah, totally. You ever plan in a book? Do you have journals? Are you going to um, publish one day? No, I don't think I mean I would publish any of that stuff. I just signed up for a Tumblr. I think I'm going to start writing in that. We'll see. Well, I'll start following you. All right, sweet. I'll let you know about it. Um, yeah, so uh, moving on. I'm, I'm about done. God, I've kept you for 22 minutes already. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Flew by. So the band, like we were talking about earlier, the band is kind of blown up. Like you guys have been what together? Six six, six years, 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 I think, yeah. Like, can, I, I can't imagine, like, how fast it's gone. Does it feel fast? Yeah, it does feel fast. It feels it feels good, man. It feels really good. Every time we play every time we play in a city, there's more people there than there was the last time. It's it's an incredible yeah. feeling. Is it is it scary at all? No, I'm not afraid no? of it. No. Uh, I mean there are parts of it that I guess you can consider scary, but it's not scary. You know, it's it's what you want, so you can't be scared of what you want. Yeah. How do you how do you guys keep honest with yourselves? How do you stop from being jaded? How do you guys keep being that fourteen year old little kid that picked up that guitar? You can't, <laughs> can't. <laughs> but no, I mean you can. Try, while you're playing, it feels that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that would be the answer would be to play. As long as you're playing, as long as you're writing, it feels that way. There's so much shit that is involved with this. So much like. I don't know. Who knows who name drop and shit like that? Uh, which you know, uh, I don't know. It's not all ridiculous, especially in this vein of music and this genre of music. Everybody are friends, and it's really cool. There's no like scumbags and people like that get ostracized uh, very quickly. Yeah. Especially now in the days of the internet. No, yeah. So you act like an asshole. Somebody posts about it, then fucking 500 people know about it in 20 yeah. minutes. You know, it's like. 
Um, all right, so like I said earlier, the uh, the live show is like a fucking explosion to me. How does it feel to make a room move the way it's it does? It's incredible. Yeah. It's the best thing in the world because you're both sharing that experience. What do you like? Uh, I saw you guys last at the marquee, and I gotta say, like, I like the summit. I mean, I work for the guys who own the summit, so shh. So, um, I I like the marquee shows better because they seemed a little bit more intimate. I mean, it's a well, smaller place, more intimate. You know, there's no barricades, there's no like uh, stages, and it's high. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a more intimate show, and that's what we're used to playing. So that's what I mean. We had a, ton, a great time today. That, it was awesome. Um, but yeah, the marquees. When we play there, it's fucking awesome. That last show I played there was incredible. It, what I remember of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, I was, hey, man, I was, I was pretty in the bag, too. Uh, it, was, it was nuts, dude. People, all, all our friends were there. Elway got to play. You know, it was, it was yeah. fucking awesome. What's it like when you guys take a stage with Rise Against and there's just, I can only m- imagine there's a thousand people out there to see Rise Against. Yeah, like more than a thousand people yeah. out there to see him, dude. We played pretty in front of like 9,000 people on one of the shows. That was ridiculous. Yeah. That was such a learning experience. That was a situation, too, where you, you uh, we were like entertainers in a sense, you know, and we kind of like didn't necessarily embrace that, but we ran with it. Uh, you get up there and it doesn't I mean it matters what you're playing and it matters what you're saying and it matters what you're doing but at the same time there's certain parts about it that you know no matter what we are saying or playing a percentage of that crowd is just going to be stoked anyway you know they're, they're yeah. there to be a concert they go to you know two con- one concert a year and it's not a show it's a concert you know it's like uh, so that that was really interesting that was really goofy for us at first it was scary as shit and then afterwards <laughs> it got really it, we, we had a lot of fun like Greg and I would t- uh take turns just saying goofy shit in the microphone people would just cheer anyway you know like just being like you know let's hear it for I forget oh Luther guys kept were trying to get me to say Hambone so I'm like in between songs I'd be like oh give it up for Hambone or like any random noun or something and everybody would just be like ah. it was really funny we had fun with it for yeah. sure it's so interesting to see how big those guys got I interviewed them years and years and years ago they were like opening a show in uh, Boulder that uh, with Reach the Sky like now they're selling out arenas it's yep. mind blowing yeah and they're, they're, they're great guys too yeah. man. Oh, they're one of those few bands and I think uh, I'm going to add you guys that list that when you guys get to that level it'll be like fuck yeah those guys are good dudes I'm glad they hit that level thanks man yeah. um, let's see oh yeah you guys had your van broken into on the European tour yeah and goddamn, that had to be devastating yeah it was a pain it was a fucking pain in the ass yeah, it was yeah. <laughs> how long were you stuck over there it was like a there? never ending pain in the ass are you still is it still a pain in the ass uh yeah because of the passport issue yeah. the passport issues have not been fully resolved yet but oh, no I mean it's over the, the response from people all across the world that helped us out was absurd that was uh, almost worth getting broken into just to see how many people there are that are in this scene that were supportive. Yeah. It was crazy. And, and, and they didn't get anything in return other than, like, hey, donate money. Yep. Man, that's I mean, we got plans. We're going to do something special for everybody. I, did, I didn't donate any money. I was broke. Yeah, fair I enough, wanted man. to. Yeah, dude. Um, it, was, it was ridiculous. It was just absurd. I mean, like, we had to stop. We, 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 we cut it off. We were like, okay, we're getting too, like, too close here. <laughs> like, we had a set amount of money that we had lost, and, and within two days it was almost there. And we were like, all right, this is ridiculous. Like, yeah. This is amazing. Uh, so other than that, like, is there anything more unbelievable? Like, I mean, six years. It's like, holy shit. I know you didn't think you'd be here in six years, but here you are. Like, is that, what? what's more unbelievable than that, I guess, I'm trying to I say? Know, I mean, like, we fly places together. Yeah. You know, we legitimately buy plane tickets with our band money and, and fly to, like, you know, other countries and shit to play shows. We bought a van. Like, it's fucking ridiculous, yeah. man. It's, uh, back in the day, what we used to do is we would, uh, on tour, we'd take, like, I think we would take probably 15 bucks and we would go into a fast food place 
and the deal was everybody could get three things off the dollar menu, and the first person would go pay, and then hand the ch- change back to the next person, and that would be our meal for the day. You know, like that's how we first started touring, and now it's like shit. You know, there's there's a meal cooked for us at the venue, and we all get to sit there and eat fucking, you know, fried chicken or some shit. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's 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 pretty, it's pretty, it's it's come really far, and it's been amazing, an amazing journey. Yeah. And uh, how do you separate the business from the fun? I guess that kind of goes with the jaded question. Can you separate the business from the fun? Uh, you can. You, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. You know, like we use our money to do fun stuff too. We'll like use uh, band money to fucking you know go to the movies or something like that while we're on tour. Or uh, but also the business part is fun because you're getting. To, I mean, I look at it as you're learning uh, a skill in how the world works. You know, because any mother, any fucking straight at, like not straight. I'm sorry, that was completely outlandish. Any like uh, ultra DIY band or super political band that's super into not uh, any business, fuck that. You know, there's no part of that. They're full of shit because you have to get from one place to another. You have to eat, and you can only uh, not have anything for so long. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't it doesn't work that way. And half of those DIY bands, and I'll go go ahead and say it. Half of those DIY bands are fucking rolling in the cash and have like ridiculous. Uh, 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 I guess you could say business business ethics. You know, talking to some promoters and shit like that. But it's uh, it's definitely an interesting thing, man. It's like uh, I don't know. It's, it doesn't have to be sharky or bad. You know, it's, it, it can all be honest. I mean, you can open the books up. It's fine. You know? So uh, where do you guys go from here? I mean, metaphorically, not physically, but like, what uh, what happens next? Well, we're gonna we're gonna write more music and see where it goes. You know? We don't have no idea what it's gonna sound like or what we're gonna write about, but. There's still plenty of time for that, though, because the new album just came out, right? February. February, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're just going to keep going and see where this thing... We're going to see where this weird journey goes, man. Like, yeah. wherever it takes us, we'll go. If it gets fucking ridiculous, then, you know, then we're done. But so far, it's been way too much fun. Yeah. Well, if you guys ever decide to uh, fire Scotty Bell, I'm for hire. <laughs> uh, I won't sleep... Well, no, we won't say that. <laughs> um but all right, man. Well, I got nothing else unless you got something else you want to throw out there. Yeah, man. School's good anyway. It was fun. It was a pleasure meeting you, sir. Thanks, man. Well, all right, buddies. Thanks again to Mr. Tom May for hanging out, joining us uh, outside the Summit Music Hall in Denver, Colorado. Thanks to Soda Jerk Presents, the, my employers, for employing me and getting me into so many awesome shows for free. Uh, and again... Thank you for listening. I I couldn't do this without you guys. Every week, you guys just blow me away with all your love and support. Uh, if you have never listened to this show before, please go check out my back catalog. Again, I've got like Andrew W.K., Frank Turner, Chuck Reagan, um, Chris Rowe from the Ataris, Red Fang, jeez, Laura Stevenson in the Can, Cheap Girls, Broadway Calls. Next week, we have Joyce Manor, Punk News Record of the Year for 2011. Uh, that was a fun interview to do and fairly drunken as well. But, so, again, visit com. Check out the past interviews. Enter to win our contest to win a Menziger's Cheap Girls shirt package. And hopefully, hopefully, maybe we can talk to those dudes and throw in some more goodies. Uh, please visit us on iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook. Like us, add us, love us. Um, please send me any feedback. I am a Leo. I am just celebrating my 31st birthday, and I love attention. So, any and all attention I can get, I love it. Feed me. Feed me, Seymour. Feed me. Uh, we're going to end this episode with a uh, Greg song since we opened it up with a Tom song. Uh, this is probably this is probably my favorite song on the record, and I'm pretty sure that's what I told Tom during the interview. I don't actually like to listen to the interviews back because I get highly embarrassed. But <laughs> it's hard to listen. But uh, anyway, this is my favorite song. 
off this new album and probably one of my favorite songs every one of these songs off on the impossible pass is just fantastic i can't get enough of it it's my favorite album of the year there's not a single filler song on there even the songs i thought were filler songs when i first listened to it have now grown on me in such a way that i can't stop listening but this is casey off off the impossible past on the impossible past blah blah, 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 words words i need to stop drinking coffee before doing these things casey on the impossible past menzingers mostlyharmlesspodcast.com. Good night. Well, I sat and thought about you On the long ride back to Philly From the way that you'd wear your hair From the way that you'd laugh When you drank before the plug was pulled, the fires burned out, all the parties grew bored. You waited tables, I waited 